Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. He has been called many things, but we just call him Roy. This is The Roy Green Show. Tomorrow, Scott Moe will be back with us. The Premier of Saskatchewan is going to start the show. And uh, we're going to talk pipelines with the Premier and uh, the developments most recently, as far as the province and the federal government are concerned. And there have been developments. And I will not forget the Premier suggesting that if British Columbia is able to stop, the British Columbia government is able to stop the Trans Mountain Pipeline extension, and given the fact that the pipeline and pipeline extension is a federal jurisdiction, Premier Mo asked, do we still have a country? And that has gotten a, still is getting a response. Now, I took a look, said yesterday, at uh, the amount of oil that comes into Canada, and particularly the amount of crude that is brought into this country from the Middle East. And the number that I saw stopped me in my tracks. And this was a 2015 number. And I went and checked and checked and checked again. And there was article after article after article, story after story. 650,000, I tweeted this at the Roy Green Show, at the Roy Green Show on Twitter, follow me there. Uh, 650,000 barrels per day imported into Eastern Canada in 2015. Saudi Arabia, Nigeria, Angola, Algeria are key suppliers. Saudi Arabia, Nigeria, Angola, and Algeria are key suppliers. And of course they have stellar human rights and human rights and women's rights records, do they not? So instead of importing 650,000 barrels a day, we could turn it around and export more of our oil to the world and generate income for our country and social programs for Canadians. But oh no, now we have to keep it in the ground because that's the only way the Americans get their oil at the discount that they're getting it at. And as Vivian Krauss has pointed out on this program more than once, it's American groups, American institutions like the Tides Foundation and, and others, who are shoveling significant amounts, huge amounts of cash into Canada and to groups and organizations which then go and protest against Trans Mountain and other Canadian pipelines. Trans Mountain's the only one that's left at the moment. Oh, there's a couple of others. Uh, that are supposed to take place. Um, we'll get that in tomorrow's notes. Now, what the hell is wrong with us? We have 650,000 barrels a day coming in on the East Coast and nary a protest. Nary a save whatever's in the water protest. 
Not a one. Nobody cares. Tankers plying the St. Lawrence River. Where are the protesters? Nowhere. There are none. We're getting oil from countries that abuse their citizens, violate their human rights, violate women's rights. Where are the protests? Well, there aren't any. But extend Trans Mountain Pipeline and all hell breaks loose on the West Coast. Now, I it was just last summer I was in BC and I understand how I do understand how you want to keep the pristine beauty of British Columbia. I understand that. But the oil's moving anyway. And if you think moving it by rail is safer than by pipeline, well. But we're a country. We're a nation. And it's not just about British Columbia any more than it is just about Quebec. And it was Quebec that shut down Energy East. We're supposed to be in this thing together. And what is happening? Well, we have uh, now, now we're looking at uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan, maybe going to fire back at, at BC if they uh, manage to stop or significantly longer delay the pipeline being built. And then Alberta and Saskatchewan will not provide BC with energy product. Or BC says, well, we'll go to court and we'll fight it. But Alberta and Saskatchewan, Alberta has passed legislation. The premier of Saskatchewan told us they will. It's not a pretty picture. And in, in, in Vancouver, right now, this weekend, the price of gasoline is not a pretty picture either. Dan McTague joins us from GasBuddy.com, the chief analyst for gas prices for GasBuddy, our good friend Dan. What is it, what's it in Vancouver this weekend, Dan? It's 159.9 right now a liter for regular gasoline. I know that uh, when I tell this to people here in Ontario, uh, their eyes uh, immediately come out of their heads. Um, it's going to 161.9 at midnight tonight. So that would put uh, gasoline at about uh, almost $6 a barrel U.S., or rather $6 a gallon U.S., and by far and away the highest prices ever paid by any major city across Canada at any point. And... Uh, likely higher than any city in North America at any point historically, save and except a brief period of time in 2015 in Los Angeles when they had a massive fiery, uh, fire at uh, one of their principal refineries. A refinery, by the way, which has already made bids to get Canadian heavy oil. Californians love our heavy oil. They have they have uh, uh, adjusted or, or they've re- reworked their refineries to be able to refine Canadian heavy oil, have they not? Yeah, they have. And you know what? American refineries uh, who are making those investments are making uh, money hand over fist. Think of it this way. With something that's a little heavier, you can make the light stuff and you can make the uh, heavy stuff. You can go uh, everything from uh, crude to diesel to jet fuel to gasoline. And then your light stuff, which makes styrenes, condensates, things that you use in the petrochemical, pharmaceutical industry, paints and whatnot. That's where the money's at. Unfortunately, for a lot of American refiners, they don't like the tight, light shale oil because you can't produce things like diesel and jet fuel as effectively as you can with the heavy oil. So make no mistake, it's not just the price that's the incentive. It's, in fact, the product. That's why Mexican heavy oil and Iranian heavy oil is fetching nearly 70 so that's $70 a barrel, uh, not 48 like here in Canada because we have... Uh, 
those of their economic vandals paid very well by other nations and uh, organizations coming from abroad to disrupt our major oil sector and our number one generator of wealth in Canada. Hmm. Um, next question is, why do we allow it? Well, I think you allow it because there's really only one narrative in this country. Um, you know, whether it's t- children being taught that oil is bad or whether it is, uh, uh, you know, a, a false uh, narrative by some uh, who choose to continuously pillory the fact that this is an important industry. It's uh, not just an industry that has given Canada tremendous wealth uh, over the past decade or so with the expansion of this, uh, of this sector, but it's also given this generation fossil fuels in general has given this generation uh, you know a, a standard of living uh, longer life better uh, way to live than any previous generation before us and we're basically uh, casting doubt to that we're basically saying to ourselves oh, let's look at gift horse in the mouth it's almost as if we're taking it for granted and allowing us uh, you know a very select determined group of people out there uh, to uh, to dissuade us I, I find it interesting that some of the organizations behind this, ironically, are the ones who lost their monopolies many years ago. Here I'm thinking, of course, uh, of the Rockefeller Group, which uh, funds a lot of green initiatives around the world. It might sound like it's a great thing, but remember, the Rockefellers lost their uh, their control of oil back in the 1890s to the 1920 between Sherman and Clayton antitrust laws. So it's interesting that uh, what they've lost, they're trying to recover by making sure no one else gets it. I can't think of another country that would have the resources that Canada has and would say would make anybody would make an actually active effort put in place an active effort to stop it from getting to international markets when the international markets want it when it's when it's a fairly simple it's expensive but it's not a it, 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 in, when you consider the money that would be flowing back into the country it's not i mean it's an investment it's a sound investment uh, i can't think of another country that would do what we're doing we no, we're, we're, we're you know no 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 wonder uh, that uh, that that email came from from seattle saying uh, well, thanks very much, but we think you're crazy. Oh, yeah. No, and look, uh, the Seattle refiners are using uh, about 10% of their oil as heavy oil. They want more of it. But let's put in perspective, $60 billion, that's B, billion-dollar loss in investments in Canada uh, over the past two years. Now, some of that, of course, is due to the downturn in, uh, in oil caused by the OPEC uh, gang, but uh, that's since come right back mm-hmm. up. But uh, no, Canada's not open for business. Think of uh, the effect of $60 billion in terms of direct and, uh, and indirect economic benefits. It'd be worth a lot more than what the federal and provincial governments are spending, putting us in hawk with debts we can't repay for generations. I was reading uh, something that Frank McKenna said, the former premier of New Brunswick and uh, deputy chair of TD Bank and, uh, and um, former ambassador to uh, to the United States for Canada. And I hope I have this correctly. Uh, in a seven-year period, that price difference between what we're selling our oil to United States for, to for whatever, and uh, and the actual world price cost us 117 or 119 billion dollars. Yeah, it's yeah, insane. It is insane, and no other country, as you know, you asked the question, no other country would allow this to happen. But I think many people are oblivious to it, and of course. There's always those uh, who will uh, sh- try to shame or, or make people feel bad about this. There's nothing wrong with what we've done in terms of our energy sector. We are the cleanest oil producers in the world, bar none. And by the way, you think the Alaskan stuff that's coming down to feed U.S. refineries on the uh, the West Coast is any better? It's not. And uh, frankly, it uh, has the same kind of potential problems that 
that they ascribe uh, as only being uh, Canadian oil, mm-hmm. uh, including the 23,000 vessels that crossed in front of Victoria and Vancouver at any given time uh, to supply those American refineries. So I, I think we really have to take off our rose-colored yeah. glasses here and start questioning what is the green left-wing agenda in this country? Because it's driving our economy into the ground. Yeah, and let's not forget, in 2015, 650,000 barrels a day, a day, a day, yeah, into true. eastern eastern Canadian refineries from... That's 70 bucks a barrel versus... From, 40, from devious countries. Yeah, Montreal doesn't have a I problem. only have 60 seconds, Mr. Matei. Go ahead. Yep. Montreal doesn't have a problem taking our oil. We've reversed the pipeline. We're bringing a lot of heavy oil into uh, Ontario, uh, right across Manitoba, Ontario, and right to Montreal, heavy oil. Heavy Alberta oil. So you can't have it both ways. You hate pipelines, but you don't mind getting them once they're built. Uh, you know, if the environmentalists block Line 5 Enbridge, get ready, Roy, in three or four weeks, you and I are going to have a nice discussion about uh, how you can shut down Canadian refineries in eastern Canada. And it'll be more than 650,000 barrels that we're bringing in just to make ends meet. A buck 62 in Vancouver come uh, tomorrow? Yeah, tonight, midnight. Tomorrow. So get ready. <laughs> it's, uh, and to an area that uh, that is uh, unfortunately seeing a lot of protests. I guess people are going to start to take that into consideration. Uh, yep. No no help, help no uh, no less by the Horgan government, the coalition government between the Greens that added another 1.22 cents a litre in carbon taxes. But we'll get to that soon because, of course, Canadians are starting to wake up to that uh, uh, that uh, that sham. All right. Mr. McTague, thank you for the time, as always. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.